history was made in January 2009 when the United States swore into office the very first African-American president. And I remember what a buzz it created. For the inauguration, there was no room in the end because every hotel room in D.C. was booked. In fact, even the hotel rooms in the surrounding Commonwealth of Virginia, there was no room in the inn. The place was packed and people began to gather on the streets, on both sides of the streets. And I remember on the news seeing these huge signs trying to direct traffic and trying to guide people to where they needed to be. History was made in 2017 at something called the Great American Eclipse because it was a complete, total solar eclipse that could be seen from one small, charming town in Kentucky. That's right, the very best viewing of this two-minute solar eclipse, the best place in the world to see it was my backyard. It was the exact place that we were living in. And so I remember Hopkinsville being this epicenter of buzz and activity. And in fact, a whole year before the eclipse, every hotel room was booked. There was no room in the inn. And it was so booked and so much a buzz that the town decided to construct a brand new hotel room, which was sold out before construction even began. And I remember that weekend vividly. I remember that day because there were people everywhere. There were campers all over the campgrounds. There were people lined up on every side of the street because people wanted to get there. And I even remember coming into town before the day of the eclipse that there were huge signs trying to direct people and guide people to help them get where they wanted to go. And do not worry, I know that history was made this past Monday when the University of Georgia won the national championship title, first time in 41 years, and I am sure there was a buzz about that. In fact, I know a friend of mine who a year ago got a hotel room or tried to get a hotel room just in case, and he ended up 45 miles away from Indianapolis. I cannot imagine the number of people that crowded in on both sides of the street. I can't imagine the signs and the traffic and the guidance necessary for that big day. History was also made in 1963 when a very famous orator, a famous preacher, and a famous civil rights activist named Martin Luther King Jr. gave this speech entitled, I Have a Dream. And I imagine all of these people who were lined up on both sides of the street. And I imagine the signs of warning and the signs of guidance 
and the signs that helped point people where they needed to be. You see, that moment of history is actually connected to the moment of history of thousands and thousands of years ago, because thousands of years ago, history was made when a child was born. And when that child was born, there was no room in the inn. And there were people everywhere. Think about the buzz of excitement of people going to another small town for a census so they may be counted. And so the hotels were packed because everyone was trying to read the signs and gather and go so they could be counted. And now we have, amongst those many people, the Magi. Because you see, we're in the season that we call of Epiphany. This is a time when history was made because amongst the people, there were magi who wanted to see the signs and read the signs and be guided by them so they could see the promise of the child for themselves. And so that's the history that we celebrate. It's a very sacred history of the magi following the signs to be able to see the one who was born to give his life equally and to share love equally and to give grace equally to all people. And as a community of faith, during this season of Epiphany, there are certain stories in Scripture that we read. And of course, last week we read the selected story, Remembering the Baptism of Jesus. And so we took last Sunday, the first Sunday of Epiphany, the time to remember. And here we are, the second Sunday of Epiphany, and the story that we have before us is a little different. In fact, when I read you this story of Scripture, you may think that it's just a really good narrative, a really good way to talk about something Jesus did. And when I read this story, you might think, wow, that's just one of those miracle stories. I'm here to tell you it is not. It's a good story about where Jesus was, but it is not a miracle. In fact, this is a sign story. It's like the Magi, It's a story that allows us to be pointed to the way, a sign in our history. We read these words. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there was six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from. 
the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is one of my favorite stories because it's approachable. It's a great story about a wedding because we all know what a wedding looks like. and We've all been to a lot of weddings. Even if you don't like them, you've been to them. I know my grandmother never liked going to weddings. And so she was the one that would always talk through the whole wedding really loudly, hoping not to be invited to any others. But since she lived in a small town, she kept getting invited. We all have been to weddings. And we all have been to receptions, good ones and bad ones. And we can even maybe picture ourselves at a wedding reception because typically they last about two to three hours. We're ready for somebody to cut the cake so we can throw rice and go home. This particular reception wouldn't have been quite that way. Instead of two to three hours, this one probably was about seven days because In Cana of Galilee, there wasn't a whole lot to do. It was kind of like a small town. And so when someone got married, they threw a party for seven days. And it was the responsibility of the couple to provide the food and the drink for a seven-day entertainment, a seven-day banquet. Of course, we all know the worst thing in the world that can happen at a party is you run out. And so the scripture clearly tells us it was on the third day when Mary, the mother of Jesus, noticed. Of course, it's probably going to be a mom or a parent paying attention to those details. But it very clearly said it was on the third day of the wedding. And that's what's important. The number three. When the number three is in scripture, you have to pay attention Because the number three is what we call a resurrection number. It's a revelation number. And so it means when you see the number three, something big is about to happen. The number of three is a sign that God's going to do something. The third day he rose, the third day he cleansed the temple, and on the third day of the wedding, God did something amazing. On that third day of the wedding... Jesus took water and he made wine. Not one bottle of wine. He made 180 gallons of it. There was a Lutheran pastor who was invited to have dinner with two people from his church, a couple from his church. And the preacher and his wife went and they were very excited to go. And that night there they were sitting in the living room having a wonderful visit. And it was time to go over to the dinner table. And so as they found their way to their seats, the minister couldn't help but notice the centerpiece on the table. The centerpiece was made of a bunch of apples. And the minister thought that reminded him of something. And he said, oh, yes, Al, that's right. Everybody at church talks about how great your homemade apple cider is. How about we have some tonight? And Al's wife very quickly said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't have any of that tonight. It doesn't go with anything I cooked. 
And the minister said, oh, no, it'll be delicious. And Al said, absolutely, my apple cider goes with everything. And as the wife is continuing to say, oh, no, 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 really, no, not tonight, Al is already up in the kitchen, opening the refrigerator, getting a bottle that's marked vinegar, and he is pulling down from the cabinet four wine glasses. And the minister kind of sees it. The preacher is noticing, and he thought, wow, that's pretty fancy glasses for cider. And of course, Al comes back, and he pours apple cider for all four of his guests, all four of them. And the preacher takes his apple cider, and he gives a toast to the host. And then he says a prayer. And as soon as he says amen, he drinks his apple cider all at once. And completely humiliated, embarrassed, and beat red, Al's wife is just staring at him like, what's about to happen? And the minister does one of the, and the first thing he says is, wow, that's the good stuff. That's exactly what the wine steward said. They brought over the wine, and immediately he tasted and said, that's the good stuff. And here's the thing. That's exactly when you know that this is not a story about a wedding, and it's not a story about the people doing anything in it. Because you and I both know, at all those weddings we've been to, and all the receptions we've been to, toward the end of the night or end of the reception, the couple doesn't really know what anybody's eating or anybody's drinking anyway. They're so in the visit and being married, they're not really paying attention. We know at that seven-day party, the couple's not really paying attention to what's happening on the third day and what the guests were drinking. And that's how we know that ultimately, this is a story about what God can do. This is a story. This is a sign showing us that this is a God who does amazing things in abundance even when no one's looking. And even if we feel like we're at the end, and even if we feel like there's no more room for us, this is a sign that says God is calling you into abundant living because that's the good stuff. Over and over again, we have that message that God is a God who wants to provide the good stuff for us in abundance. And that stuff of more forgiveness and more hope and more compassion and more mercy and more of all of those things that we really need to get through this year. Because with whatever the year is about to bring, we're making history with it. History is being made as we speak. And history will document They will tell the story, and we are in it. And history is going to talk about how we behaved and how we treated one another and what we've done and what we've experienced and what we've learned because all of those things will be a sign for the next. It just will. And those signs, those decisions that we make, are both on a national level, it's on an international level, it's on a local level, and it's also on a church level and on our individual actions. And how we behave this next year will be a sign to other people. 
Because with every event, every wedding, every baptism, every decision, every relationship that we choose or do not choose, that will be a sign. And I think even as we're going into this new year, there's already a buzz around it. And there's anticipation around it. And there's anxiety around it. And with all of the issues that it brings, there are people lined up on both sides of the street. And there are signs of warning and signs of caution. But as people of faith, we also see those signs of God calling us to receive the gift of the good stuff. In that same wonderful small town of Kentucky, there was a lesser known event, a lesser known history being made at the birth of a woman whose pen name was Bell Hooks. She died a month ago. And the gift that she left us is 40 books on oppression and race and class and gender. And through the lectures where she taught and through her writings and through her speaking, she always pointed toward one sign that was going to cut through any inequities and any power problems and any issues of control. And it was the gift of love. And it was a sign of love. In fact, love was kind of like her star or her guide. And I remember that history, and I'll offer that history to you. Because like bell hooks, we all need to have that word, that star that we look to to help guide us on our year. And so for this season of Epiphany, I offer a response of a star word. If you were here, I would offer you to come forward and receive your gift of a star word. That option is still available for you because you see star words are very simple. It's a word on a star and it's meant to be your guide for the year. And so if you would like to participate in this, you can simply just contact us and let us know and we will pull a word for you. You can also come to worship in these next Sundays of Epiphany and still receive your star word. But it's meant to go somewhere you're going to see it. So maybe it's at the coffee pot. Maybe it's in the place where you get ready. Or maybe it's in your car while you drive somewhere. You put it somewhere that you'll notice it every day. And it's a word that maybe you use to pray. You use the word maybe to guide you if you have a question or you need discernment. It's a word offered for you to remember the abundant living that's offered to you this day and to this year. And so I will share with you my star word. This is a tradition that my friends have been doing. And of course, it predates us. But she always puts all the stars in a bowl and, you pick, and she picks them out for you. And so two weeks ago, I got my word. And my word for the whole year is the word enough. So maybe that means for now, it's enough. Amen. Pray with me. On this day, Lord, we ask for signs that we need to know and signs of what you ask of us. 
And if there are times the signs in front of us are to advocate or to stand up or to speak up, make us do it. Make our legs stand and make our voices heard so that all of your people are loved and accepted equally. And make us ready, Lord, for whatever is to come. Make us ready to be committed to you and make us ready to see this as a time in history when we can begin to change the way people see you and experience you. And so whatever it is, Lord, use the gifts that we offer so that we can help others be in a relationship with you. Amen.